This is News Talk 980 CKNW. Well, just before the break, we were talking with Ian Bailey about the NDP leaders' dinner on Friday, where people paid $525 for a single ticket, 3000 for groups up to seven. Still allowed under the new rules that were brought in by the new government, those rules to ban corporate and union donations and to put that cap of $1,200 on individual donations. Will big money be gone from civic campaigns as well. Well, joining us on the line to talk a bit more about that is Andrea Reimer. She is a Vancouver City Councillor. Councillor, good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm good. How about you? I'm pretty good. Um, Let's talk about this. You brought this up recently at Council. What has been the response when you've talked to your fellow councillors about banning big money, uh, corporate union donations from campaigns? Well, you know, this issue goes back to 2003 uh, when the Vancouver Electoral Reform Commission happened. That was four or five terms ago now. Uh, and the um, at the time, I wasn't elected to council, but with a group of other residents put in a, a submission asking council to take a position on banning uh, corporate and union donations as well as putting limits on individual donations. And from that day forward... We've consistently had unanimous council support across all parties for seeing those measures taken. The challenge is it's the province that needs to take the measures, and they have consistently, up until now, um, said no to making those changes. Uh, so this isn't something, uh, so it's, it sounds like there's the will to do this, but uh, not, not the ability at this point. No, in Canada, um, the way the Constitution puts out powers, the province has the ability to control elections for municipal government. So for rules on campaign finance reform, we need to go to them to either get the power to make our own rules or to have them make rules. And so far, they haven't moved on either. All right. It's not something in the Vancouver Charter that can be done. Yeah, exactly. It could either be done through the Vancouver Charter or it could be done province-wide. We're agnostic on which tool is used. We just know there is a big growing problem in Vancouver. It's been happening for well over a decade now that that has been a problem. And we've had a decade or more of inaction. The current government, um, when in opposition, did introduce legislation specifically related to Vancouver. Unfortunately, it failed. Um, but we're hoping that now that they're in government, they're able to move it forward. And I think really importantly, on a timeline, that will make it matter for the next civic election in 2018. Uh, have you had a response from uh, the letter that you sent to, to, uh, to MLA Robinson? Uh, not formally, but I only sent it a week ago. That it's a, I mean, that would be a, a short timeline to turn around for any minister, but particularly a new one that also has the housing portfolio. So I'm not, I'm not worried about not getting a response yet. Um, my concern would be not getting action before the end of October, because that really is the drop dead date for us to get new regulations and be able to have them in place in time for January 1st. Uh, when you talk about that there has been this big problem for more than a decade, to you, in your mind, what is the, the biggest problem with these donations and with this type of financing? You know, I, from my, my perspective, um, we hit the first million-dollar election in Vancouver in 2002. That was the first election in which the party spent more than a million dollars. Um, at that time, the issue that I was concerned about, what motivated me to go and make that submission to the Electoral Reform Commission, was that people would perceive they didn't, they couldn't run, that they personally couldn't raise that kind of money, and therefore couldn't run in an election. Since then, um, it's like watching a wild horse run out of the gate. I mean, increasingly, the issue that I see at public hearings or in public debate 
is that people's confidence in the process, not the electoral process, but the governing process, is so low because they perceive that these these donations have a huge influence on the decisions that are being made. My own like personal experience as someone they're voting is that they don't have anywhere near or any influence on the decisions. But the fact that the public perceives that means that the whole process of democracy stops working the way it was intended to do, and that's with their full participation. Which is understandable that people would think that, because if you look at even, let's say, development companies, the question would be, if you're not getting a benefit from giving thousands of dollars to a political party, why would you continue to do it? Yeah, no, I totally understand the perception of it. I mean, what I've heard from developers and unions, for that matter, is that it's more the issue that has gotten so far out of control that if they don't give, they worry that somehow something bad will happen because they've been giving for so long, right? So, Which, which think, isn't that a benefit in itself? Um, yeah, I think the easiest way for us to, to resolve the argument is just ban it. And then it doesn't, then we don't have to have that discussion at all. Then we can have a clean discussion with communities on whether or not um, rental housing and increased density to enable that rental housing is a benefit for Vancouver as a whole, because right now it's so easy for people who oppose rental housing or density to simply fob it off onto this um, widespread and reasonable public concern that it's the donations that are driving a desire from some of us to build more rental or have more density in community. Uh, if there's unanimous support to ban these donations, why not just, do you need legislation? Why don't parties just stop taking them? You know, in a democracy, anytime I hear the word voluntary rules, <laughs> I, I would be very worried about that democracy. And I think the only thing worse than the situation we have right now would be a situation where people think that it's been solved, but there's no functional way to enforce it being solved. So last election, as an example, um, all of the parties voluntarily reported their donations prior to the vote. Turns out two of the parties misreported, but there's no way of actually enforcing that um, that misreporting, right? So the public gets a perception that the problem is fixed, so stops working to to actually fix the problem. Um, and meanwhile, people are, are cheating or misusing the rules, um, either knowingly or unknowingly, and there's no consequence to that. So things continue to get worse. Uh, you mentioned uh, you wrote to uh, Selena Robinson uh, a week ago. Uh, she does have a lot to, on her plate uh, at this point. Uh, how confident are you with that timeline of getting uh, these changes in place? Uh, quite confident. I mean, two things fuel my confidence. One is that they've consistently, and she in particular, have shown a very clear understanding of the issue and taken actions in opposition to act on the issue. Um, they also recently introduced the legislation around the provincial reforms, um, which is good because it provides the legal framework. I think the only real hurdle isn't their desire to do it, it's the capacity to do it on the timeline available, and the fact that the legal framework is already there is going to be very helpful. Uh, what about the the issue with it, it's all fine if in Vancouver there's unanimous support to, uh, for banning these donations. So we go across a couple of bridges to North Vancouver and there's no, there isn't the support for a ban. In fact, they voted on it and a majority of the councillors at the city of North Vancouver uh, did not support a ban on corporate and union campaign donations. Uh, so what happens then when we have different civic governments that are on both sides of this? You know, it's hard for me to comment on other councils. Um, what I can say for uh, myself, both as a councillor in Vancouver and a resident, 
is that this is a problem here. We have a charter here that is different than other cities, so therefore the tool to be able to solve that problem. We had in 2011 a single corporate donor give a million dollars to not my political party, but another political party. How can you have confidence in a process where that is possible without any consequence whatsoever. In the last election, another corporate donor gave close to half a million to that same party. So I think if North Van isn't having those problems, fantastic. Um, but we are, and we have the Vancouver Charter, and that's the tool that's needed to fix this problem. And do you think it could be something then that a rule, a different rule for Vancouver, and not one rule for all civic governments, but rules by, by city by city? Well, personally, I, I would prefer, I mean, from a democracy standpoint, I think we're at a time and place when we need to be making decisions pretty quickly on some of these large social issues, housing, um, environmental problems, economic challenges, um, so that as long as this perception of influence from corporations or unions or other organizations exists, um, it's going to be challenging for any government to move at the speed that they need to with the community to have that discussion if we have to stop and have a discussion about how much influence there is or isn't in the the campaign finance world. Um, So I I would argue you're eventually going to have Vancouver's problems, so why not just create a legislative framework now? At the same time, I can tell you we have these problems now, and we really, really need legislative action from the province, and we have a tool. So if that's what it takes to pilot it in Vancouver and see what it looks like for other communities, um, then, then let's just get moving on that for the 2018 election. Uh, do you think it will be an issue? Or are you expecting anything to come of this uh, at the UBCM? Um, it tends not to be a dominant conversation at the UBCM. I mean, we've certainly had the, the sympathy from other councils. Um, they, they've seen our plight. They voted near unanimously. Um, the only councillor actually who voted against us was a, another Vancouver City councillor at um, the UBCM vote that we had a few years back, and that was very context-specific at the time. So we've, we've had the broad support of other municipalities for action in Vancouver. Um, Other municipalities have other urgent issues that they look for support on, so that tends to be what dominates discussion at UBCM. And uh, just before I let you go, would you support similar legislation to the provincial legislation as far as putting a cap as well on what individuals can donate? Yeah, we've been consistent. We've asked for four things. ban on union and corporate as the most important uh, cap on individual donations and, and the amount that the province is posing seems reasonable, um, that there be a cap on spending and that there also be much greater ability to enforce rules um, as well as the kind of reporting that you'd need to be able to adequately enforce them. All right. Uh, Councillor Reimer, we will uh, wait and see what happens uh, with this. Uh, thank you so much for joining us to talk about it this morning. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Vancouver's News, Vancouver's Talk. This is News Talk 980 CKNW. Canada may be known for its landscapes and friendly people, but beneath the surface lies a darker side of crime, history, and the paranormal. Since 2017, the award-winning Dark Poutine podcast has explored the shadowy corners of the Great White North and beyond, delivering chilling tales from a uniquely Canadian perspective. Hosted by Mike Brown and Matthew Stockton with over 300 episodes and fresh releases every Monday, Dark Poutine is your weekly ticket to the creepier side of Canada. Listen to Dark Poutine on Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts.